0: We're talking today about the forever light Um, and throughout Advent we've been talking about the light, the light of Christ coming into this world and that's, as we mentioned at the start, we lit candles talking about this light of Christ. One of the, the blessings of Jesus being our light is the forever light. Now I don't know about you but I have bought things that have promised to last forever and they haven't and when we moved into the manse, we changed a couple of lights and The electrician said, buy these LED lights. They should last forever. You'll never have to change them. 12 months later, one of them failed. The problem was we had to replace the whole thing, not just the globe. I've just recently changed my car lights across to LED lights, and the promise is they will last forever. I'm looking forward to see how long they last because the reality is there are as many things in our world that we would like to last forever that don't. And sometimes we can think they can last forever. In the last few weeks, we've seen bushfires ravage, ravage our nation. Um, one of the pastors at Wollongong has a family farm um, in Lobethal, a 160-year-old family farm that he thought would last forever because it's withstood droughts, it's withstood other disasters. Well, after the w- events of this week, all that's left is a, a heritage chook pen and a laundry. And his comment was, at least I've got somewhere to wash my clothes. He's been renting that out to other tenants, and fortunately they were safe, and so were their animals. One of the great blessings, though, with Jesus is that we do have this God who says it will last forever. And some of the presents that we're going to open, some of the presents we may have opened, some of them won't even last a day. We might drink that bottle of wine by the end of the day or we might eat the chocolate by the end of the day and have nothing much to show for it. Some of them will last more than a day, but some of them probably won't last a year and there'll be some that last a bit longer. But the truth is, just about everything in our life has a limited life. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about music. And I remember listening a story that one of my parishioners in my first congregation said, she said, even when we were poor... We still owned a piano and we sat around the piano singing songs. That was the way they had their music. And then we pre- then if you think about it over history, you've progressed to the, the gramophone and then we've pressed, progressed to the um, record player and then we've progressed to a tape recorder. Who, who still owns a tape recorder? Jimmy does. <laughs> I thought I could lie, Jimmy. You probably own a beta mix as well. And then we've progressed to the Walkman when um, Mercedes was born. Veronica had a Walkman. um, She took it to hospital. And now we've progressed to the iPhone and iTunes and Spotify. And now we're into streaming. Who knows next where the music's going to go? Now imagine if I'd given you a tape player. Jimmy, if I'd given Danny a tape player for Christmas, how do you think he would have (laughs) reacted? (laughs) the problem is, is that some of those things that we've given, some of the things that make quite valuable, are now not worth much and are not used. But the good news for us, the good news for us is Jesus is the light that lasts forever. His message is always relevant. His promise and love is always true. And he's always going to offer that to us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we keep coming back to the Christmas story. And remembering what God has done for us. That's why we keep listening to the stories of Jesus through Scripture and what they mean for us today and what they mean for us in the future. So who is this Jesus? And what is this life he offers? We're going to explore a little bit of that. We're going to be introduced to that from our our reading from John, John chapter 1. It's an introduction. And if you go through all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they all have a di- an introduction to Jesus starting at a different point in his life. The thing with John, he actually starts at the start of creation and reminds us that Jesus was always part of creation. He was known as the Word. And for some years, you still go, why on earth did, did John choose this thing? Why did he choose the Word? He's a person. He's not a, 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 some letters on a page. Well, one lecturer in an article said John probably chose the word to describe to us, to communicate to us, is that Jesus communicates who God is for us. And that is the truth. You see, Jesus is God and he comes into the world for us. And when we look at Jesus, it is God communicating who he is for us. The reality is many people have different versions of who God should be. Many of us try to write God's position description and give an indication of how God should act, who should God include and who should God exclude, what God should do and what God shouldn't do. Most of the time, we don't get it right. We need to look to Jesus to see who the true God is because through Jesus, through his actions, through what he says and how he goes about life, We get to see God's intention for us. John 1 reminds us that Jesus has always been. He has always been, even before creation. He's always existed. It's not just he started at Christmas. Often we talk about um, Christmas being Jesus' birthday. And that's a way of remembering that Jesus was born on earth. But it's also important to remember that Jesus existed when the world was being created. And if you go to Genesis, the language that's used in he- in the Hebrew talks about us, we created. It's this triune God at work, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So Jesus has always been around. He wasn't some afterthought. He's always been the intention. And as a consequence, everything everything that was made has involved Jesus. Think about your entire life. Everything in creation has involved Jesus. Paul, when he's writing to the early church, um, puts it in a way that says, everything in this creation can be used for good, for helping people know God's love. And so I'd like you to think about your creation, the world you live in. How can that be used for good? How can that be used for you to know about God's love, but also for you to share God's love? And as a consequence of that, we see that life comes from Jesus. We see the life that we have now is a gift from God, but we also know that the life, the eternal life that Jesus has made possible, which is often what we focus on as Christians, that the eternal life that God is offering is a gift Both the life we have now and the future life that we're going to have with God in heaven is a gift. And so again, take some thought, have some thought, reflect on what does this mean for your life today to be a gift from God? What does it mean as you live your life that it's a gift from God? What does it mean as you interact with others that their life is also a gift from God? And also think about the life you're going to receive, the life that Jesus promises us. Promises us is a gift from God. In John chapter 14, Jesus makes this statement to Thomas, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And that place, as we understand as Christians, is the place of eternal life for us, a place where there's no sin, no pain, no suffering. And so think about that, that reality, that Your life now is a gift from God. How does that affect how you live your life and what you do with your life? But also, think about your life in the future, a life that's going to be far superior than this life, is also a gift. Verse 5 then goes on to talk about this life is not just an earthly life, but a life that is stronger than darkness. Throughout our lives, many people are living in darkness. If you read the newspapers, listen to stories, listen to podcasts, you'll know that there's much darkness in this world. There's a huge number of people who have mental health issues. There's a significant number of people who have major relationship issues. There's people who are living in uncertainty, uncertainty about their job or uncertainty about their future, uncertainty about their health. There's a significant amount of darkness in the world and often we can see darkness in, uh, outside but there's also darkness in our own lives. Darkness that can include the worries that we have but darkness also includes our selfish motivations where we would want revenge, where we'd rather speak words of hate than love, where we are more interested in hurt, hurting somebody in revenge. And showing them love and grace. But when we look at Jesus, we see that this is stronger, that the life he offers is stronger than that darkness, that he offers us forgiveness so we don't have to live in the darkness. But he also offers us help so we can share, share this light that he's offering. And so I encourage you to think about as you celebrate Christmas, some of the difficult situations you're facing where you would more, more drawn to the darkness to respond to them in a dark way rather than responding to them in a way of grace and love. And why is that important? Well, verses 6 to 8 highlight to us, highlight to us that God doesn't operate independently of us, that he uses people like me and you, like John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was probably the most unworthy character in some ways from a human perspective to be used. But he uses people like John the Baptist and us to reveal his love and light in the world. And if I think about my life, my life as a Christian and what's touched me, there's been many people, many people who have shared Jesus with me, shared the Christmas story, shared the Easter story, but also shared how important Jesus is and shared why grace and love are far more important than any other thoughts and approaches to life. And so think about what it may mean that God could be calling you to share his love and his grace with others as you share Christmas with others, as you reflect on this good news. I've told this story before, but it's an important one because it's one that's had an impact on my ministry. In my first congregation, there was a gentleman um, who was a single bloke and there was good reasons why he was single, because he said he was a little bit odd. Um, but he had a difficult relationship with his sister, and his adult sister. And he said part of it was his own fault, the way he treated her, and because of the things she did wrong. But he wanted to restore that relationship. He was a bit upset. And we talked about a number of things, and we come to the conclusion, probably the easiest and best thing for him to do was simply to send a Christmas card to his sister. But he did say when we first talked about it, he said, it's probably not worth it because she'll probably just rip it up and chuck it in the bin as soon as she knows it's from me. Well, he did this for one year and then he did it for a second year and he got no response. And he did it for a third year and still got no response. And by the fourth year, something happened. His sister rang him up and said, thanks for the Christmas card. Would you like to come for Christmas dinner? And then his response to me, well, now I've got to be on my best behaviour because he wanted her to know that God loved her through him. God uses us. God uses us to share his love. And so I encourage you to think about who may be God calling you or putting in your life who needs to know that life is about grace and love and forgiveness. Who may be the people that you're mixing with that you can respond in an unexpected way of grace and love? because when we look at the further at the story of Jesus and what John chapter 1 reveals is that Jesus is available to everyone and has meaning for everyone now for us as we read this in our western world we think yeah that's that sounds logical but here's the deal back then that was not logical that was something that was a, a, offensive to say to the jewish people that this messiah this savior is for everyone was seen as offensive Because they were living in a world where they felt oppressed. They were living in a world where they felt they needed a saviour to save them from those things that were oppressing them. And that world that they were living in, they were looking for a saviour to come and defeat their enemies. Now, here's the truth. Jesus does come to defeat our enemies. But what the story of Jesus reminds us is our enemies are not those out there and not the opposition political parties, and not the people who have a different philosophy. Our enemies start with ourselves and our sinful nature because that's the very thing that stops us having a good, healthy relationship with God. So Jesus, the message of John 1, is that Jesus is available to everyone, regardless of race, creed, political persuasion, wealth. He is for everyone. And then we come to verses 9 to 10 and then verse 14, which is also for the Greeks of those times, quite offensive. God comes into the world. Greek understanding of life is divine and humanity can't mix. They would curdle if they did. And yet we see in the story of Jesus God operating outside that thinking and coming into the world and bringing himself into the world. But here's the twist. Many people thought Jesus was going to be some elaborate, rich, wealthy, strong, powerful king born into privilege. But that wasn't the case. He came as a baby born in a manger to the son of a carpenter, to the son of a young woman, somebody, and he wasn't well off, He wasn't highly respected as a rabbi amongst the rabbis of rabbis. But he was God. And that's the way God often operates in our unexpected ways, in ways that we don't expect. We have a way of holiness, which is not healthy often. We think holiness is about perfection. It's about having everything right. It's about five-star, six-star hotel Approach. But that's not the way God operates. The way Jesus came into the world is amongst us. And he didn't come to us when we had everything right. He came to us because we needed help. And so he comes into our messy world, regardless of who we are and what we've done and how messy our lives may be. And that's why verses 10 and 11 highlight that he wasn't recognized or received by everybody. Not everybody would recognise him. Some years ago, I preached a sermon and said to somebody, what would you do if Jesus walked through the door? And one of the smart alecks in my congregation said, I don't know, because I wouldn't recognise him. And what they were highlighting was this, is our image of God is often, we've probably got a perception of God that he would be well-dressed, look well, have everything right. We have art image of God, long hair, blue eyes, light skin. We have particular views of a strong, powerful God, what he should look like and how he should act. And yet God works outside our views. He's not automatically recognised. And so I encourage you to go on an adventure with God as you celebrate Christmas, is to pick up the story of Jesus, to read the Gospels, to look at Jesus at work and to allow God to shape the image of God in you rather than you tell God how he should act. To allow God to speak into your lives, to listen to Jesus, to, to look how he acts amongst people and to see how God is at work. Because as John three sixteen to 17 reminds us, God came into this world to save the world and to love the world, not to condemn the world. And many of us, many people in the world have a view of God that he's come to condemn them. But that's not the message of Jesus. What the message of Jesus is, is anyone who receives Jesus and believes in him becomes a child of God, as verses 12 and 13 remind us. We don't just become a friend of God, we don't just become an associate of God or a a slave or a servant of God, we become a child of God. And that has quite significant impact, particularly back in the days that this was written. But it has huge impact for us as well. What it means is we get to inherit what God has. We get to inherit a place in heaven. God, Jesus came into this world so you could inherit your place in heaven, a gift from God. And that's because... As John chapter 1 verse 14 says, Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus came to earth for each of us. He's a gift for us who offers us a loving, graceful and truthful relationship with God. A relationship that will last forever. Forever. Each of us have this opportunity to live every day with Jesus in this imperfect world. Our world doesn't need to be perfect for God to be present. In fact, we need God, especially when our world's not perfect. We need God when our world's messy, to know that we're loved and to know others need love. Because in this world, we get a glimpse of the perfect world through Jesus that he is making possible for us what you see in Jesus will be far larger far greater than we'll ever experience on this earth and so may the gift of Jesus this Christmas impact your life now may it impact your thinking of who God is but it may also impact the hope that you have may you enjoy Christmas knowing God loves you not because of anything you've done simply because he wants you in heaven. Amen.